Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Folks, we're live. This is Danny Carter with the Roto World Football Show. I have taken uh, hosting duties from Patrick B. Doherty IV uh, for just today. I have taken over. Uh, Pat is doing other Roto World things today. He's devastated to not be on the show, but we are still, we're going to make it as good as possible. I am joined today uh, by my lovely co-hosts, Lawrence Jackson and Kyle Dvorak. Uh, look, it's the beginning of June. Uh, there's not a lot going on, but we are going to still talk, talk your ear off for 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes. We'll see, uh, about the latest news developments about some fantasy. What ifs regarding the Browns offense, the Ravens offense, the Colts offense, uh, one I, one I'm forgetting at the moment, but Oh, Falcons, Falcons offense. Uh, and, uh, just to, just to see where we stand as a group. Uh, on these offenses and the stories we're we're sort of telling ourselves. But first, we wanted to start with uh, news, and the, you know, this news is not uh, piping hot, not not fresh out of the oven. I understand that it, it happened a few days ago, but we did get a report uh, about three days ago that Russell Wilson last year uh, turned down a trade uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, of course, he eventually went with the Broncos. That's you know, whether that was the right call, we'll see. We'll see how it happens this year with Sean Payton at the helm. Uh, but, guys, Kyle, I want to start with you. You said you had some, some quick thoughts on this. Uh, how, do we, how do we see this in, in hindsight? Russell Wilson saying, uh, no thanks, I don't want to go to what is probably the best, uh, you know, most well-run franchise in the entire NFL. Well, this isn't even like news. This was reported like days after the Wilson trade, like a year ago, over a year ago, this came out. And I guess it just didn't get traction the first time or it's been such a long year and three months or whatever that like we forgot about it. But he also in that exact same report or around that same time of reporting returned down the commanders, turned down the Eagles. And, you know, we had this list of teams he was supposedly willing to go to, but like this aspect of what we're getting now is not news at all. Like it is something we've known <laughs> for 15 months. There's nothing new to update other than a second reporter arguably confirming it, but I don't know if he even mentioned the first time it was reported. Like he also didn't know he was reporting stale stuff. So, I mean, 
<laughs> I think the Russell Wilson trade, like you probably don't want to give up that much for a quarterback coming off of a down year when he's 30 some years old and he's only ever played like in one system. We don't, I, I thought we knew he was pretty good, but I guess we didn't know how good he was exactly. Yeah. On the other hand, he went to a team that was hilariously horribly run by a first year head coach who seemingly was brought in to lure Aaron Rodgers to the team. So he was not even the quarterback target of intention by the Broncos. So like, I'm not giving Russ a pass far from it for last year. Terrible stuff from Russell Wilson, but like, I don't know. He could have been on a team with like AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, a better offensive line, better coaching. Like maybe those things make the deal not look as embarrassing in hindsight, But on the other hand, we live in a universe in which we know Jalen Hurts last year was better than Russell Wilson by a mile and was as good as Russell Wilson's ever been. Like Jalen Hurts was in that top tier of passers last year and just doesn't get the credit he deserves for being as good as the likes of, you know, our Joe Burrows, our Josh Allens in terms like EPA, CPOE. He was right there. So on the one hand, maybe we look too specifically at how bad Russell Wilson turned out and, and things could have been better in Philly. On the other hand, we may forget just how good the decision to roll with Jalen Hurts and not try and caveat that in any way was. They didn't just say like, oh, we'll give Jalen Hurts a shot. They said they pushed the chips in on him. So, I mean, yeah, they things broke in their favor. Maybe they we don't laugh at them as much as we do the way things turned out with Denver. But also, like, we've known this for a while. This is not even news. I, I, uh, here on the Roto World Football Show, folks, we cover news that is 15 months old, <laughs> at least. Okay, you know this is this is what we do. So I appreciate Kyle for pointing out how uh, short my attention span is because I, I have no recollection of that. Someone morning. had to tell me this. Someone, someone else had to tell me this. No, in our, our company Slack well, chat. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, somebody. It, the, it probably sound better now. Like it sounds better for the engagement now that Jalen Hurts got that contract. You know what I'm saying? So now you could go back and look at it. Like oh, but it's like is that he, is that a fact? Is that a fact that he turned down the Eagles? Like is that known as a fact or is it just something? that was you know put out there like because i don't because it, it sound kind of crazy them coming into the season <laughs> them coming in it, it it seemed to me like they was like you just said kyle they pushed in the chips on jalen hurts they right. traded uh for aj brown like this is what you do uh with these young quarterbacks but whether it's true or not uh if it is true uh be happy uh eagles yep. fans that uh you know, Russ was, you know, he he saw something in the Broncos that he just didn't see in the Eagles. So, you know, there That's you go. True. That's true. And and maybe he saw a chance to completely control things in Denver, you know, kind of, you know, because he goes to Philadelphia and he's part of like a, a, a very high functioning organization, uh, a, a head coach who I don't think would let Russ have his own personal office on the second floor of the headquarters and not go into the locker room and not communicate or hang out with teammates, like all that stuff. I don't think that flies with Sirianni and, and, and Howie Roseman in Philadelphia. Maybe Russ liked that opportunity. He saw the power in, vacuum in Denver, Denver and was that's like, right. that's an opportunity I can seize upon, even if it will be an embarrassment for my career for years to come. Nobody's going to stop me in Denver. I think that that may have been the, uh, the appealing thing for, for Russell Wilson, I, I will say that Howie Roseman, you know, who who over the past what three, four, five years has been seen as a genius, a savant, okay, and I and I'm I'm among those who have been effusive with praise of Howie Roseman. I think that this situation, 
uh, if true, big if true, uh, shows that we all depend on a little good luck sometimes, right? I mean, you know, th this is very lucky. It, and and this another part of this story that I really hadn't considered is, yes, why would you replace Jalen Hurts, an ascending quarterback, dual threat quarterback, just a, an absolute terror to opposing defenses? Why would you abandon him or sit him for a declining veteran who at his best at his best is a is a really solid game manager it just it just doesn't make much sense eagles was eagles was in the playoffs last year i'm i'm sorry not well the year in, before in the, the, the 2020 the, trade, the eagles yeah, just made yeah, the playoffs they got yeah. bounced by the bucks rather quickly yeah, but they made yeah. it right right yeah so yeah and they they made it yeah and they Right, the Bucks. The Bucks showed them, you know, what uh, what they what they could not do at the time. Uh, they they really shut down that that Philadelphia offense. But you know what? The best thing about the Eagles is that they are willing, they're ready and willing to uh, become, as they say on the on the NFL broadcast, become multiple. This is this is hmm. my my most hated phrase. And they were multiple last year, folks. They they ran it on some teams and they passed it against others, and it was all very all very good for fantasy. Any last word here on? The, the 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 bullet dodged by the Eagles. Oh, where, where are the Commanders? Uh, no, no one wants to talk about the Commanders, huh? That one seemed a little more realistic because yeah. you know that they don't they didn't they weren't in the playoffs. Uh, they didn't you know they didn't have a quarterback that was playing at even uh decent. So that right. one would make a little more sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the Commanders. I mean, I know that, that Dan Snyder is. I guess relinquishing the team it seems like it, you know, it seems like that's, that's happening. Although things haven't been totally hundred percent confirmed on the, on the uh, purchase of the franchise. But I mean, going to the, the most toxic franchise in professional American professional sports seems like a bad career move, no matter who you are. And I, I'm sure Russell Wilson uh, thought the same. All right, folks, we're going to move into some of the, uh, I don't want to call them news items, but I'll call them newsy items. Newsy items that may affect the way we are looking at players as we uh, furiously draft best ball teams. I saw, I think, I think, Kyle, were, were you up at four in the morning the other day drafting a team? Is that is that right? No, that's that... sick. I, I just got off vacation. I I am slacking on my best ball. I am taking all of my teams and putting them in the final like three weeks of the summer because. Uh, <laughs> It worked a lot during the draft season. Then I thought yeah. I'll take some time off. And then I was like, oh, we have the magazine. So I have to do that. And then I was like, all right, you guys got this. I'll see you in August. It would be, it would be cool. I don't know if you guys agree. It would be cool if the NFL had an off season. You know, that, that is one thing that I, I think Roger Goodell should consider. No, there, there is one. It's been, it's been like this past week. <laughs> but then you know what I'm saying? Once I Deion, was in Colorado for it. I took my they, one you, week see, of the off knew. season and I you left. You knew. Kyle had the intel. Now, when DeAndre Hawkins pick a team, then the season gets back going again. So we had that. We had a nice little week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But hey, you know. Yeah. Well, that that's a good uh, good transition, Lawrence. Just like we planned it. Thank you for for throwing DeAndre Hopkins out there because it was reported last week that there's a quote strong possibility DeAndre Hopkins could land in Cleveland with his former quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, the Athletics, Zach Jackson, wrote recently that, quote, Watson said he regularly talks with Hopkins and has long considered him a brother, so we can assume a private full-court press is also taking place. 
a lot of you know reading of the tea leaves and that's all we can do really here and also dissecting every single social media post by deandre hopkins which is my new favorite pastime it's uh there's just <laughs> every everybody's do all the cool kids uh, they're just they're just uh dissecting it like the subruder film and and uh but we we're trying to read the tea leaves it seems like guys kyle it seems like cleveland would be the most likely landing spot uh you know for hopkins do you do you agree disagree with that and then what would that you know mean for fantasy purposes yeah that makes sense as like the most likely landings but i think there are a lot of spots that have like eight to twelve percent chance like them chiefs bills who have uh financials of it to work out and then uh the impact of does he want to go to like a true contender as in the chiefs are the number one contender. Whereas the Browns didn't even make the playoffs last year, but you could envision them very easily making that leap. If Watson is not uh, terrible and he's friends with Watson. So I-, I think, I don't know. They've got enough invested at receiver. Like they did the day two pick swap to get Elijah Moore last year. They spent a day two pick on David Bell this year. They spent a day two pick on Cedric Tillman and they have Amari Cooper already locked into that number one spot barring Hopkins joining the team. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need it. I, I think there's still a pretty solid landing spot because all the guys I just named are like, they've invested. Have they reaped the rewards of those investments? Uh, not yet. And like the Jets clearly also having invested a day, a day two pick in Elijah Moore yeah. said, no, we're done uh, reaping these rewards. They haven't been as fun as we thought they'd be. And <laughs> David Bell didn't do anything as a rookie. So, and they're yeah. looking at playing more three wide. So maybe they want to run deeper at receiver than they have in years past. So I get why they would go for it. I don't think it's a necessity, but at this point, like, do any of these teams have a necessity at receiver that is so great that they are forced, like they are, you know, twist my arm, I have to go get DeAndre Hopkins? You would think the Chiefs would. They did it without any number one receiver last year, excluding obviously Travis Kelsey. The Bills, I think, have more of a need than any of these teams. Mm-hmm. But are they willing to financially commit to a player like Hopkins? I don't know. It depends how much Hopkins wants to. Lawrence, uh, are we going to see DeAndre Hopkins in Cleveland this year? Well, you know, it, like Kyle said, it would make sense. Like they, you, you, you don't feel like they need them, but because you know they weren't guns ablazing last season. As soon as Deshaun Watson uh, got to playing, you know they have room to explore that. Because while they did invest, uh, like Kyle was mentioning, Cedric Tillman, Elijah Moore, you put none of those guys are uh, better than DeAndre Hopkins, and I feel like it. It's like a situation where last season, if you're the Eagles. Yeah, you got a nice rookie in in uh, Devontae Smith who just had 900 yards, but you double down and go get uh, A.J. Brown, and you saw them in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, uh, Kyle brought up, that'll be interesting because it's like they just won the Super Bowl, and they didn't need nobody as good as DeAndre Hopkins. So they could either be looking at it from that perspective or they could be looking at it from a perspective where it's like, well, you know, we did win the Super Bowl because we have Patrick Mahomes and no real number one receivers, but this will give us an even better chance because these teams are gunning for us. And yes, Kyle, the Bills, I feel like out of all these teams, you know, that he's been uh, linked to, the Chiefs, mm-hmm. Ravens, Browns, the Bills are, in my opinion, the ones who would stand to benefit from this the most the main reason why is because Gabe Davis didn't go for 2,000 yards last year like everybody <laughs> thought he was. So, yes, they need that, and it, and it showed up, uh, you know, it showed up a lot more as the Bills uh, season wore on. 
you know, so Dalton Kincaid is good, but that's that you need more. You need more, you know, so. But um, yeah, from what we see and how it's been going, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hawkins have had a lot of success together. So it it at least looked like the Browns is the front runners. So. Yeah, and I, I think that the whole idea of Hopkins, you know, later in his career, wanting to win a Super Bowl, wanting to join a contender, uh, really for the first time, you know, the Cardinals were really never never a contender. Obviously, the Texans were not truly. I mean, they were, you know, they were the They Texans. blew that giant lead to the Chiefs, didn't they? They did that yeah. one time? Yeah, they, were, they, they, they was right. up 24 right. zip. But it was, yeah. if you was watching that game, you could see it unfolding. It, yeah. it it yeah. was like worse than Falcons twenty eight three. Like uh, you knew, oh, oh the, it was it was instantaneous. It was like it, it, it was it, I couldn't right. It's like you just knew gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so I actually think that the Browns make sense from that perspective. If Hopkins wants to join a contender, and I know, okay, I'm the Browns are the Browns. Hey, what are you talking about? And and I'm no Browns apologist or anything, and I don't want to get Browns fans too excited because you know they've been through enough. But I, I will say that with a with a defense that I don't want to say elite, but a very good defense, yeah. uh, with a, a, an improved, and we're going to talk about this in a second, sort of kind of bleed into what we're doing in the second segment here, um, it, with, with an improved Deshaun Watson led offense with investments in the passing game. Okay, I think that this team can compete. It, it, I think that it is designed to compete in a small window. Uh, starting this year. So if Hopkins joins the Browns, I don't think that he's just joining it to play with his, his former buddy in Houston. I don't think that he's doing it for money. Yeah. Money's a big factor, but I think that the Browns can actually uh, be, be a a real contender. Now, can they get past the bills? Can they get past the Bengals and the uh, chiefs? You know, probably not, probably not, but, but speaking of money, one last, one last thing, they uh, the Bills and Chiefs both have like less than two million in cap. Not that they can't restructure or cut players to get there, but the Browns have like over twelve million, I think. So it's an easy swing for them. Both teams probably still have rookies left to sign. Maybe I haven't checked yeah. on the rookie pick tracker, but uh, for at least Bills and Chiefs, like they have work to do to get into a spot just to put them on the roster for one year, whereas the Browns are already there. And Don, Donovan Peoples Jones is a pretty good player, and from a fantasy, he he had a nice little stretch mid season where he would just get five receptions and seventy yards for five game straights and sprinkle a few touchdowns in there. But he, I, I actually, I actually like him. I, I actually like drafting him after drafting him later rather than Elijah Moore earlier, just because I've seen him uh, have some success. Uh, in that offense, but if they get DeAndre Hopkins, it it would be Donovan Peoples Jones who will be mostly affected by that. Right. Yes, and we are gonna get a little more into that in just a moment. We have uh, you know, Dalvin Cook again, newsish item on Dalvin Cook. Okay, <laughs> not 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 actual real real news, but the Miami Herald's Barry Jackson reports recently that. Dalvin Cook is quote a real possibility for the Dolphins if he's released by the Vikings. Cook is uh, also uh, training in South Florida and is quote open to a fresh start. Uh, we may have to wait until uh, later this month. Uh, the, you know, the the Vikings may look to make a decision on on whether to keep Dalvin Cook um, ahead of mandatory OTAs. Uh, later in June. So we, you know, we're still kind of waiting. We thought June 1st might be 
the the dates where we saw some movement on the Dalvin Cook front. Uh, I do have some some sort of sort of breaking news about uh, Alexander Madison has been released from the. I'm kidding. No, has been uh, has been <laughs> taken. Has, has been like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, 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 this is real. This is real. Madison has been uh, taken. Has been removed from the banner on the Vikings. Uh, the, the Vikings Twitter banner. Okay. This he is, briefly this, held a spot on the banner over Dalvin Cook for that like a, I assume a few weeks. Yeah, that was Ooh. something. It was big news. That was that was not nothing. Okay. Like if we're if we're gonna parse every single social media thing, that's something. Okay. That that's something. It, I, look, so they, first they don't have Dalvin Cook on it. Now no Alexander Madison. We might be looking at an Adrian Peterson reunion right here, fellas. I, I wouldn't let's, doubt it. Let's let's go, baby. 42 and years you old said head. Dalvin Cook training in, in South Florida. Uh, other than the fact that he was born in South Florida, played school, played college football in Florida, probably has family in Florida. I'm sure it means something. I mean that you, that he's he's in South Florida just to make the quick drive over to the Dolphins headquarters and say, I'm here, guys. I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to play. Um, all right. So uh, we have basically Alexander Madison not being drafted in best ball leagues as if Cook is going to move on. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of a, a tepid ADP right now. Um, there's, there, there's clearly some hope that Madison will take on a three down role, which is the second part of this news item, which I should have got to, you know, before I started babbling here is that the Vikings reportedly see Alexander Madison as a three down back, which maybe isn't a surprise because that's the way that he largely has been treated when Dalvin Cook has missed time over the past two seasons. So, you know, we have, we have these two items together. Uh, if you're drafting best ball right now, Lawrence, are you, are you looking to Madison at his ADP as like an auto pick, uh, assuming that that cook is gone or do you think cook's going to yeah, stick around? It, 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 man, I, I would be drafting and we've done a mock draft with us, uh, the yeah. Roto world people, and he looked like he was drafted as the the three down back for the for the Vikings. And yeah. Dalvin Cook was I took Dalvin Cook in the fourth round, and that's like you know oh he's off the Vikings now. Now he's so it's like at Alexander Madison moves a little up, Dalvin Cook comes a little down. So I think as of, as of today, you would just you know, play it like it's going to be Alexander Madison. Again, them mentioning something, we see him as a three down back, um, which is something, like you said, Danny, we already knew that because every time he's, uh, you know, in there for Dalvin Cook, he assumes that role and he'll give us a running back one week, whichever two or three weeks out of the season, like yeah. we know it's coming. So <laughs> I, I I would draft him like uh, he was going to be the uh, – the Vikings running back for this year. You couple that with the fact that Dalvin Cook all but sounds like he ready to go. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it, it, yeah. it seemed like it's only a matter of time before that value's not as much of a value anymore. And Kyle, how, how are you treating Dalvin Cook in drafts? I mean, does his, because, you know, he is being drafted a little bit later than we're used to seeing uh, all the uncertainty swirling around him. Does that appeal to you at all? Or are you focusing on Madison later? Yeah, I'm not like awfully interested in Cook. Like, even if he like Miami's a weird spot because they gave two year, roughly six million. I think one's five point six and six million deals to Jeff Wilson to Mostert, and then supposedly they were in talks to uh, before the draft to get Dalvin Cook. They waited out as like most teams do, like no reason to act when you don't have to, and they take a running back who fits the scheme really well. Like 
are they like they're not obviously not trading it's, it's going to be a cut at this point almost certainly so what are they doing with four running backs two to three of whom are mostly not playing special teams outside of return duties and even then like are we getting a ton of special teams use out of these guys who they committed some money to? So I'm not sure it's like a guarantee that if he's cut, that he goes to Miami, which admittedly would be probably a good spot. It's a really strong scheme. They'd probably use him well, but I don't know how much of the role he'd get. But that's sort of the good scenario. There are a lot of sort of downside scenarios where he just goes to a team that we don't find particularly interesting. And he's coming off a career worst year in rush yards over expected. Two of his three worst seasons in PFF rushing grade were last year and the year before that. Even mm-hmm. simply just as yards per carry has fallen in back-to-back seasons, like that uh, 2020 season is, is definitely the best we'll see from Cook. And now it's just a matter of how closely he can stay to that. He's already been falling, so he's an aging running back who one team has already said, we do not want this player for the price we already said we'd pay them. Like, I'm not sure how much work he'd get at the next spot he lands. I'm not sure how efficient he would be. I, I yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really not interested. And I do like the idea of, of Madison as like a potential three down back, even if it's just for a year. Yeah. So uh, the, some of the pushback on Twitter about Madison is uh, he's not good. And, you know, for most part, that's true. Like he doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't pop in any category. Like he, does, he doesn't, he doesn't, it, it, he's, he's not astounding, you know, as a runner or a pass catcher, but re- I don't care. I don't care. Like the guy, yeah. if the guy gets a three down roll in a good offense, so what? So, you know, you, so, so what if you have to deal with a bunch of like three and a half yard carries on, on second down? Like who, you know, I'm fine <laughs> with that. I just get, give me some touches. And, and really, I, I do think that he fits. And I know you guys would be shocked to hear this. I think he he fits the kind of roster mm-hmm. that I sometimes usually usually draft, which is you know lots of receivers and tight ends up top, and then you're just kind of scraping for touches, running back touches in the middle and at the end of drafts. I mean, you can't you can't get better than a guy who could take on that role, right, Lawrence? Am I right? Yeah. So I I because you're saying that I I actually got a question for both of you. Um. Okay. So what when this happens, when Dalvin Cook becomes a Dolphin, well, who's finishing higher? Dalvin Cook with that offense or Alexander Madison? Because even though Kyle spoke to, you know, a couple of down years, not as good as his 2020. Yeah. I, I mean, he's better than Alexander Madison. So given the given that in the situation, like we know it'll be Madison in Minnesota. But then you got Dalvin Cook attached here uh, to the Dolphins who, you know, yeah, they got all those running backs but none of them was good last year. Like none yeah. of them was like, Oh man, we like, no, no, no Dalvin cook over here. Like they could use Dalvin cook. So where would y'all see, uh, who, who would you see finishing ahead of the other one? Madison. Think? It's Madison for me. Oh, yeah. all right. He's getting all them touches. Denny, like you said, I like totally Dalvin cooks better. Even if Dalvin cooks like two back to back years that are like not up to his standards, he's better. I no no disputing on this. Madison's, a guy for all intents and purposes. Uh, he's going to be a guy that gets like 280 touches. And I really doubt that we see even a, a close level of touches, uh, specifically after the team invested in a chains. Like I agree. Most are also basically just a guy as is Jeff Wilson, but like the talent differential between Dalvin cook and then a chain and most and Wilson versus what Alexander Madison will have, which will be like career kick returner, Kenny Nwongwu, seventh round pick Dwayne McBride and Ty Chandler, who like, I can't, really name a thing i remember about ty chandler for being honest he went to north carolina there you go he went to north (laughs) carolina tar heels there you go (laughs) listen uh i yeah i want those madison touches for sure and if i want to overthink it on madison and folks i i love to overthink that is one of my my favorite hobbies uh i would say that uh the vikings 
uh, throwing it more than any other team besides the Chiefs in the red zone, okay, being the most pass-heavy red zone team, does does make me think that maybe Madison doesn't have the sort of crazy touchdown upside that, that you might think. But honestly, for, for the ADP right now, I think that's okay. I think once the shoe drops, once, once the other shoe drops here and Cook is on another team, I think Madison then probably becomes it has a disgusting ADP at some point. I agree yeah. with this because like oh it'll go yeah pretty high. Like, yeah, we're we're pretty sure that Dalvin Cook's gone, so I don't mind the fact that we're pretty much calling it a done deal. Like yeah. I don't mind that we're rounding it up, but we're already pricing him close to where he should be. But the market's not going to think that. The market thinks it has not priced in Dalvin Cook being cut. It mostly has, and it's going to make this egregious jump. So I totally agree. If you want. I- Madison now, if you want the touches now, uh, you can take them now because you're not going to get them at a reasonable price, I assume, within a month or so. On the Dalvin Cook side, too, I just wanted to say real quick that we better hope he go to the Miami Dolphins because probably anywhere else, fantasy-wise, he's going to be messing up some other backfields. So we want him to go to the Dolphins. Like, There's literally not a team I could think of right now where it's like, it wouldn't be messed up for like yeah. the other running back that we probably want to draft. Right. He goes to Jacksonville or, or uh, the Cowboys. Please Cowboys. Please. Yeah. Oh, Cowboys. Oh, no. Listen, I was <laughs> thinking hurt. the Cowboys, but I was just like, nah, man, that can't be like, that's too unrealistic. But the NFL is unrealistic. Yeah. Anything, listen, anything goes. We, we have a report as we're recording that, that Jerry Jones is refusing to say no to Ezekiel Elliott, maybe, maybe possibly coming back to Dallas. So I, I do, I do think the Tony Pollard thing will be completely messed up within the next 60 days. I just want to put that out there, folks, before we get into our next segment here on fantasy, what ifs, I wanted to tell you quickly about the Roto world draft guide bundle because every season is draft season Get your Roto World Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto World Draft Guides for the price of two. You would be losing money not to do it, folks. Uh, plus, use the promo code Barry and save an extra 20% at checkout. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. On to our fantasy what ifs segment. And and honestly, this is I I love I love to talk about what ifs because it, it, it sort of gives some clarity to me about how to view certain offenses because eventually 
you know, we, we pontificate a lot. We talk a lot in May and June and July about like, what's, what's going to, what's going to happen. Who do I like? Who, who do I not like? Eventually you have to come to a conclusion. You have to tell yourself a valid story. Okay. Like some, hopefully a fact-based story about how an offense is going to operate. And so I, I picked four. We'll see if we can get through all of them today, but we're going to start with the Ravens offense for fantasy. What ifs now the, the question I have is what if the Ravens with Todd Munkin at offensive coordinator now that the reign of Greg Roman is, is over. What if the Ravens are, are much more pass heavy than they have been over the first, over the past four years? What does that do for the fantasy value of Rashad Bateman, OBJ, Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers? What does it do for, for JK Dobbins, who was obviously great at the end of last year? Uh, and you know, could, could we finally see, I know I'm asking a hundred questions, Lawrence, but I, I just, I, I'll start with this answer one. all of them in order. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I want to start with this one. Uh, could we finally see a, a Baltimore offense that supports more than one fantasy viable pass catcher? Cause in the past, it's, it's always just been Andrews. And then maybe you can well, start like Demarcus Robinson in a 16 team <laughs> league. But like, are we, are we finally going to get that this year where we can start another yeah. pass catcher for the Ravens? No, I, I think you will. And, and, to to that actually in 2021 i mean you had hollywood brown finishes the wide receiver 22 so i get you would say that's a you know that's yeah, a dude yeah, you yeah. would put in there he put up over a thousand yards and i don't actually even believe that they'll pass the ball so much more than they already did think about this uh fellas over lamar's uh last 24 starts He's averaged 29 and a half passes per game. Two of those games are the two in two of those games. He got hurt in the first quarter. So the numbers drop. So realistically, we're looking at 31, 32 passes a game already. The difference will be how the passes are distributed in the offense and how we're going to get that. The Todd Monk is going to do the exact opposite of what Greg Roman did in the passing game. Greg Roman's passing game was so confined and tight and having full backs in the slot running wheel routes. No more of that's going on. None of that. <laughs> what Todd Monk is going to do, and he already said this, this is what he did at UGA. He wants to create space. He wants to play in space. He wants to widen everything out and make the defense work. What he does do, like Greg Roman, is he's going to use his tight ends, but in a different way. We're not going to just see, you know, uh, three tight ends coming out every play and then, uh, you know, running on third and 15. Nah, he's going to use those tight ends, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, much like how he used uh, Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, two completely different type of players. Right. But both was effective. So what what he'll be able to do is get these dudes like more catchable targets. Now, it remains to be sure. seen which one of these uh, receivers will step in to fill that void who will be that receiver we use in fantasy because we know it's going to be Andrews. We know that for a fact. Uh if ho if OBJ is healthy for uh, a, a whole year, we know he could still play. You got Zay Flowers. I, I think it's a co good collective group of receivers. It'll be hard to guess which one gonna go over a thousand yards. What we do know is that all it is is great for brother Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I I, I do I do agree there. Kyle, is there is there one uh, pass catcher? I know that Lamar recently described Rashad Bateman as wide receiver one. 
That's what he said. So I, are, are we going with Bateman as the other guy besides Andrews who can thrive in this offense, or do you think it'll be somebody else? I think Bateman might be like the best price adjusted option. Although I, I do question like how we're going to see him use. Cause last year it was very effective in that they used him as a deep threat. He was elite in yards per outrun. And I think for the very few games we got to see him, he actually helped the offense improve just by being a guy that defenses really had to focus on. He was so efficient that even if he like his targets per outrun doesn't look good, he is a high impact player every time they targeted him. So defenses right. had to respect that. I think mm. it helped everyone. It helped his efficiency. I don't think it would result in him getting the ball a ton, but it helped his efficiency. And more importantly, from an offense per- offensive perspective, it helped the offense do what it was trying to do. And then he got hurt and we didn't see very much of it. If he's used like that again, he'll probably give us a, a, at least more than we would expect good spike weeks. I'm not sure he'll be much of a consistent producer. I also could see us getting just a lot more like short passing game, get the guys the ball, because the way that Greg Roman ran the offense – Kind of reminds me of Denny, what you or I would do if we ran an NFL offense. He did a lot of smart things. He did a lot of play action. He passed, like he had his offense pass deep, pre-snap motion. uh, And then you ask him any further specific details and he knows nothing about it. That's what he did. He did like some of the high level analytics. Yeah, yeah. It got real tough for them when they, they could, they look like the best offense in football in between the twenties. But then you get into the red area. um, It's like, where you depend on, you know, like Lamar and Andrews and J.K. Dobbins, you're like, all right, one of my guys is going to cash in right now, but they don't because they just get so, you know, they're so tight in that offense. And so what Todd Mung is going to do, and he's, he's going to spread that out. And the quarterback in the run game, instead of just solely depending on that, he'll use it just as a stressor to the defense, and that'll make the offense as a whole more scary. That is yeah, funny though, this, Kyle. That because that, that, that's exactly like, how what I would do. Yeah, he did some good little litmus stuff very stuff very well. We know play action is really effective. He did a lot of play action. We know passing deep is a is a high value play. He did that, and then he just did it again and again, and it stagnated. He didn't like have, like his team wasn't creative. He did a few key things very well. Uh, and they still ended up having obviously a super high yeah, pass rate. And yeah. I agree, or super high run rate. Uh, and I agree with Lawrence that I don't think I, they're like a good running team. Their quarterback is a good runner who's good on both scrambles and design runs. I don't think there's anything you can do to change like the entire identity of the offense given the personnel they have. I think they'll be better at passing the football though, and they'll probably be faster. They'll probably play with more pace because in the NFL, Todd yes. Munkin for his three years, yes. uh, for his three years with the Bucks, they were like eight, they were eleventh, fourth, and sixth or something like that in yeah. situation neutral pass rate. Their or situation neutral pace. Their pass rate was pretty average. I think those Bucks teams were probably pretty bad. So they had like inflated pass rates, but you're like, you expect that you're losing. But even in situation neutral, their pace was very good. They play frenetic, even if they're you know going to be a relatively balanced team and that's safe to expect. But I do think maybe we see a slightly suppressed a dot. So the offense isn't so like Lamar complete a 50 yard pass or it's three and out. But like, I do think that's something Todd <laughs> yeah, yeah, will help yeah. is like smoothing out the complete droughts. The offense had probably with a better quick passing game, something that will also help Lamar stifle the blitz, which is something we know, like that's kind of been his Achilles heel. They didn't really have a creative solution to stop that. It was just like, sorry, Lamar, it's you're incredible <laughs> for him being Superman. That was it. So yeah, they yeah, were just asking him. so much of him when there are yeah. ways to scheme around that. And they just didn't seem to have those counter punches to them. I think Munkin will give him the counter punch. And I think that has to be through like short area stuff yards after the catch, which may just end up being a lot of like Zay flowers, dude, you're like a, a even if you're he's like five, nine or whatever, he plays like he's a, he plays like a dude. He plays like a grown man. So he get does. that guy the ball and let him work after the catch. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah uh, I, I do hope for some easier throws for Lamar and also some plays where Lamar doesn't have to dodge 15 tacklers on, on the same play. That would be nice <laughs> to see. Um, I, you know, you talked about the inflated pass rates in, in, in Tampa when Todd Munkin was the offensive coordinator there. I do have some numbers I wanted to share with the class here. Uh, in uh, 2016, they were 15th. The Bucks were 15th in pass attempts. 2017, they were fifth in pass attempts. They had the second highest pass rate in the league. 2018, uh, fourth most attempts, sixth highest pass rate. And then in 2019, when Munkin was with Cleveland, they were middle of the road in, in, in pass rate. That's not um, that's not adjusted for um, for how the game was going for neutral game scripts or whatever. But I, I do think that there's every indication that uh, Lamar Jackson is not returning to the same team that he was you know, frustrated with. I mean, he expressed a lot of frustration about teams calling out their plays at the line of scrimmage uh, because Craig Roman's system had become so predictable. So hopefully that will create more opportunity, more pass catching opportunity for fantasy purposes. Let's go quickly to Anthony Richardson uh, under center in uh, Indianapolis. This, this is the assumption. I, I think it's a pretty safe assumption here. Yeah. Feel free to push back if you like, but uh, you know, does this, will this make the Colts offense, you know, one of the path or I'm sorry, one of the run heaviest in the NFL last year, just just to throw a, a number out there, uh, because we love our numbers, folks. Uh, Florida uh, was 90th in uh, pass and pass rate last year with Anthony Richardson at the helm. 45% pass rate of Florida. Richardson averaged five design runs per game, which is actually not as many as I as I would have anticipated. So, so Lawrence, start with you. If the Colts are uh, this super run heavy conservative offense. Uh, what does that do for like you know for Michael Pittman and and the other pass catchers you know, with the Colts? I, I don't know about the other pass catchers, but I think that Michael Pittman could actually have his best year to date. And when you look at the numbers that he's put up so far, you'd be like, oh, maybe he could. It's not like you know we Michael Pittman's not some yearly thirteen hundred yard receiver. He has three seasons under his belt, and he's went barely over a thousand in one of those. So let's say the Colts are, you know, let's say they're the most run heavy team, although I still think that'll be the Bears, uh, probably. Um, right. You right. know, Justin Fields and them, they didn't start out throwing the ball a ton as the season went on. And, you know, they ran plays that actually worked for him. He ended up averaging 25 passes a game. So that's definitely uh, that's definitely on the low end. Um, but, you know, enough to where, you know, the the main guy, Michael Pittman, should be able to eat. Now, not comparing the skill levels of these offenses, but the Eagles uh, were third in rushing attempts last season. Third in rushing attempts. But (laughs) you had A.J. Brown, 1,500 yards. Devontae Smith, 1,200 yards. Dallas Goddard, 700 yards in 12 games. So there's a way to to at least get Michael Pittman his due. And, you know, whatever those numbers are are that he did have at Florida, he was able to, you know, throw. He had two games where he threw for 400 yards. So they're going to have to throw. They'll come out one in the run, especially with Jonathan Taylor. But – you know, younger offense, they're going to have to throw some. So Michael Pittman sure. should be able to do a little some. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Lawrence. And and if if the tar- if the target distribution is narrow enough, then then you, you do have a path for a guy like Pittman to still get there for fantasy. Hopefully 
for the rankings I have in the Roto World uh, <laughs> draft guide. I'm I'm hoping that's not the case, but you that is a good point, Lawrence. So so Kyle, uh, as far as you know, like Jonathan Taylor goes, Jonathan Taylor obviously being taken way later than he was in drafts this time last year. Uh, what would a a run first system do for him, and what would a mobile quarterback do for him in Indianapolis? Yeah, I think like you know we've seen like some. I don't want to say it's like the the most convincing evidence, but it seems generally that the mobile quarterback has like a slightly depressing effect on a running back's pass catching prowess or pass catching production and a slightly positive impact on their efficiency as a runner. To me, I think like the one concern would be how much Anthony Richardson gets used at the goal line, as we saw with Jalen Hurts, probably the most used quarterback at the goal line of the past 20 years of my lifetime, essentially. No quarterback has been used more and been more effective at the goal line. So that would be the one concern. But I think even then, it's really not that big of a deal because we've seen the past two years, the Eagles running back backfield as a whole was eighth and fifth in purely rushing expected fantasy points. And I expect Taylor to outperform his expected fantasy points while also dominating his backfield. So the Eagles were a better team uh, than in the past two years and the Colts will probably be this year. But even if they're just pushing for an above average team and just the total amount of fantasy points their backfield specifically gets, Taylor is getting all of that. And there are so few running backs that can actually say, whatever my team, you know, whatever they allot to the backfield, it's mine. No one else is getting it. So I wouldn't be too concerned even about the goal line stuff just because of how talented he is. It's like making the Derrick Henry bet where like the nerds like, he just can't keep getting away with it. And then this guy who's like an Olympic level athlete who has disgusting highlight reels every week and plays the Texans a bunch, which will also apply to Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) This guy just keeps getting there. Like that is very much in the vein of Jonathan Taylor. And we've seen these Shane Steichen backfields have a ton of value. It's just been one. We haven't been too interested in the actual running backs. Like Sanders is fine. You know, game was fine. These guys are fine. None of them are Jonathan Taylor. That dude's great. So I I don't think it's really a big deal. I think the, the concerns might be overblown and like, I'm not the, like I've, I'm one of these spreadsheet losers who typically doesn't draft Derrick Henry. And I think that's been a leak in my game. Same way with like Nick Chubb can go out and get 1800 yards on the ground because he's really good. And like the bar to be a really good running back is very high. We don't have very many of them where I think we have right. more receivers who we could consistently say like, yes, Devontae Adams turns out with Derek Carr. He was just as good with Aaron Rodgers. We don't have as many running backs like that, but to say there are none of them that we just all running backs to the same, like, I think that's a step that the, the nerds have gone a little bit far with. And we should probably find taking Jonathan Taylor. Maybe you don't want to be over, over your yeah. skis on him, but like you can bet on talent and bet on the fact that this coach that's coming in has consistently produced a ton of value for his backfield, how it's been distributed. I don't think it applies too much in the past to how it's going to be in the future. It's going to be we, Taylor. We need to be reined in the spreadsheet warriors Hello. need to be reined in. And I have bet against Eric Henry for so long. I actually stopped. I stopped. I, I made myself stop betting against Eric Henry last year and uh, I'm going to continue to not bet against Henry going forward. He could play until he's 52 years old. I'm still going to. I'm still going to. I, I would. I would draft Derrick Henry until he retires. Yeah, like right. in, yeah. it, I mean, it, like the who the Titans' offense was one of the worst in the league, and he still ran for 1,500 yards. Like yeah, that's incredible, <laughs> incredible. Uh, I, I will say one thing about about like Taylor's PPR prospects. Uh, mobile quarterbacks generally are not dumping it off uh, to running backs to short area targets because a guy like Anthony Richardson can simply scamper for seven yards and a first down rather than dump it off. So I, I do that. That sort of hangs uh, over uh, Jonathan Taylor in PPR leagues, but I probably, probably there's uh, too much skepticism of Taylor going into the season. 
All right, guys, finally, we're going to address the the Falcons. We're going to talk about the what ifs for the Atlanta Falcons for Arthur Smith, our favorite, our favorite coach, our favorite play caller in league history. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. Um, so my, my question to you guys, Lawrence, we'll start with you. What if the Falcons are actually good? Like, what if what if they're like a nine or ten win team? They won seven games last year. It's the weirdest yeah. thing ever, but they won seven games. They won six yeah. at home. Okay, no one no one goes into the dome and wins. Okay, this is just yeah. the the fact, the fact <laughs> of life. And yeah. uh, even even if nobody is there, nobody's it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> and and uh, so no, we love we love our Atlanta folks. But uh, uh, so what if what if the Falcons are good? What is, what does this do? Like for Bijan Robinson, is it good for Kyle Pitts? Is it bad for Kyle Pitts? What do you think, Lauren? I certainly think they'll be a good team within that division. They'll have a shot to get to those nine or ten wins there. Uh, Bijan Robinson, you know, he should be the guy that's, you know, uh, just a little shade above the usage of what Cordell Patterson was getting in his 31-year-old prime years. You know, we expect at least that from Bijan Robinson uh, getting picked there at the A spot. What it does for Kyle Pitts, uh, I do not know, but we just talked about, actually, I kind of have an idea, but we just talked about the Colts. I find the Falcons will be more so what people think the Colts will be, and that's running the ball heavy because it's whatever the game script is, they're running. They yeah. be down by two, three touchdowns, they're running. Terrible. And then this is not even no exaggeration. We was watching this happen. These yeah. boys is down multiple scores <laughs> running a ISO. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So they they will be more. I will say this. Arthur Smith said, I think he said about a month ago, he said Kyle Pitts was dealing with, with some things last season. Uh, He's dealing with terrible offense. He's been dealt <laughs> yeah, with in, in addition to his injury, he was dealing with some things. And he said that Kyle Pitts was going to have a big year. So if, you know, Kyle Pitts is going to have a big year and Bijan Robinson, he does what we expect him to do. Then they got Drake London. Either the Falcons are going to be really good. That means Desmond Ritter got to be good too then. So, e- e- yeah. right, e- either they're going to be really good or somebody's getting the short end of the stick here. Sure. Kyle, wh- what do you uh, what do you think? Can Kyle Pitts and Drake London survive positive game script for the Falcons? I- are they ever going to throw the ball if they lead for, for much of this season? Yeah, I know it's terrifying to think that, like, like Lawrence said, dude, they were losing – by so much in some of these games, and we're still like first and ten. All right, we pick up four yards here, four yards closer to losing by twenty or whatever. Like, so on the one hand, like, yeah, it's really difficult to envision this team where Arthur Smith's like his career average as an offensive coordinator and head coach is like a negative seven percent pass rate over expected. He's just game in, game out, one of the most conservative coaches, but like generally has been a very efficient team like they ran the ball really well last year during his time in Tennessee they were a really efficient passing team again they did yeah. not want to pass it was they were terrified of it when they did it they did it quite well he's another yeah. guy kind of like yeah. uh, kind of like we're talking about with Greg Roman he gives his quarterbacks the advantage of play action often which really helps boost their efficiency even if I don't like think Desmond Renner is that good and I think this could be a like Tyreek Hill to a level of there are two guys and zero other players in the pass catching room that we care yeah. about yeah which goes a long way I mean Drake London set the record over the past 20, I think, years for, or it was like 15 years for a target share by a rookie receiver. Kyle Pitts, I think, had the second most receiving yards ever for a rookie tight end. Like, 
Yep. This is what a one, two, and no one else looks like. And I'm just going to bet on that. I think that's like generally a winning strategy is like, oh, when we find guys that we know, especially as pass catchers, it's really easy to identify. Yeah. Oh, these guys are hyper talented. I was talking about like Devontae Adams. Turns out play with Derek Carr, you're fine. Play with Aaron Rodgers, you're great too. You can survive a lot. Uh, can these guys survive this? I don't know. The answer is I don't know. But generally, it's a winning bet when we have identified guys who are just extremely talented pass catchers to just bet on them and be more agnostic of the situation around them. That could burn us this year. Really wouldn't surprise me if it did, to be frank. But I want to bet on the guys who come into the NFL as pass catching talents, highly like highly productive in college, great resumes. The NFL views them as these elite players. And then they produce. Did Drake London produce, you know, 1,200 yards? No, but he dominated this offense, right? He was, you know, like I said, he was one of the most dominant target share rookies we've ever seen. Those are good players. I know those are good players, and I want to, especially at pass catching positions, bet on the guys who are not only good, they have the potential to be elite. Sure. I don't want to get too lost in the minutiae of me being terrified of this uh, run heavy offense. No, I know they're good. I think it's okay for you to feel good good about it, Kyle. I think. (laughs) You know, I think it I look, I was just there over the weekend. I drove by the stadium, you know. Yeah. Good, good vibes, baby. man. You know, good weather around there, good vibes. So I don't know. We we might it's, it's, a, it's yeah, be optimistic. It's a, it's a vibes based economy and 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 we this is what we're basing our, our fantasy takes on. No, these those are really good <laughs> thoughts from from both of you guys. Uh maybe I will just learn not to fear Arthur Smith and draft his uh, talented pass catchers. We are going to wrap it up here for the Roto World Football Show. Thanks to Kyle and Lawrence for all of their fantastic takes uh, in June, which is, you know what? That's This is this is hard having good takes in June, but they, they <laughs> do it because they're professionals. We will be back with you later this week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.